Welcome to Torah from Temple of Aaron in St. Paul, Minnesota. Here is the place to hear much of the great sermons, teachings, and speakers happening each week at our synagogue. Whether you are able to make it in person or not, each week you will find new Jewish content to inspire, motivate, and bring meaning to you wherever you find yourself. I hope you enjoy the teaching and feel free to contact us anytime about it by calling us at 651-252-6411 or emailing us at Rabbi Marcus Rubenstein at templeofaron.org. Enjoy and we hope to see you soon. One of the great traditions of the Rubenstein family growing up is we watched an hour of sitcom television every single night before we went to sleep. <laughs> It was a beautiful tradition, and God forbid I didn't do it. It was like there was something really missing. Uh, even in, into my teenage years, I would be playing video games and, uh, you know, sort of gone the whole afternoon as teenagers are, but I always at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever it was, we'd all watch an hour of sitcoms uh, together. And it was very interesting, the choice of sitcoms we chose. Well, not me, really, I chose, my parents chose. Um, and we watched a lot of the famous ones. Uh, they're sitting here. Everybody Loves Raymond we used to like. What else? Fra Frasier sort of sometimes, right? We watched all different kinds of shows. Um, and interestingly enough, um, there was one show that was on at this time that we would never watch. And I was always curious about it because it was a very famous show and very funny show. And that's Seinfeld. Seinfeld would never be on in our household. And I never understood it. I didn't get it. Hey, it's a Jewish guy, Jerry Seinfeld, very funny comedian, and, and we love his stand-up. We watch his stand-up special. We quote it all the time as a family. But we can never, we never actually watch the sitcom. And I didn't understand why. And so when I was a teenager um, and when I grew up in college, I watched every Seinfeld, as is important for every Jew to watch every Seinfeld episode and understand it in and out. And I enjoyed it. I, I, I loved the show. It was hilarious, and it still is hilarious, still very funny. But there was something curious about it, and that it constantly left me feeling empty. Every single time. I would watch the show, I would laugh, it would be hilarious, it would be ingenious, but I would feel empty. Same thing, by the way, with Curb Your Enthusiasm now, with Larry David. I watch the show, I laugh, I say there's something patently Jewish about this, but it feels something empty. And I never could quite put my finger on what that emptiness is. And now I think I'm beginning to understand what that emptiness is, and I think I'm beginning to understand why my parents didn't show it in my household. There was an op-ed that was written in the New York Times yesterday about how important Seinfeld is and that it should be a philosophy for our life. I'll just read you a little bit from it, okay? This is from Maya Salam. She writes, it has been consistently been framed as a comedy about four terrible people with good reason. Jerry and his fellow misfits lied, cheated, and stole. They were pretty petty and shallow. They created a framework for bad sitcom characters that shows like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia would embrace with great relish and success. But they also presented an irreverent version of adulthood that I had never seen on TV or in life a playful yet sophisticated world where grown-ups joked and laughed together and didn't take themselves too seriously, even when everyone around them was being very serious indeed. 
Most important, they openly mocked the notion that professional success, marriage, and parenthood were the cornerstones of existence. For me, a serious child surrounded by serious adults, a child who was ostracized by those unable to categorize me and who knew early that established paths to fulfillment would not apply, this revealed loads of possibilities. Seinfeld outright questioned these constructs. And then she begins listing episodes where they, Seinfeld questioned the constructs, these silly constructs of society like, well, marriage and family. Um, and, uh, you know, calling them, one time Jerry called a marriage and family man-made prisons, which is funny, but wrong. Um, and um, continuing on, she writes, and I, this, this part made me bristle, especially for those uh, from the former USSR here, this refusenik sensibility, comparing this to refuseniks and the strength of refuseniks, the ref this refusenik sensibility is threaded through the entire series. And any attempt by the characters to sublimate themselves to societal norms fizzled quickly and often in grand fashion, particularly professionally where opportunities and aspirations came and went. Kramer's outlandish business ventures, Elaine's fitful career in publishing, and George's corporate self-sabotage. Even Jerry's hopes in the show's most, most meta-subplot to parlay his stand-up career in successful sitcom. Right? And, and, and basically, she goes on and says, but she says, Elaine's professional prospects were subject to the whims of unreasonable eccentric bosses, but her identity was never defined by her career. Instead, her jobs and superiors acted as foils for her personality to flourish. But crucially, after each of their many failures, the characters largely ended up just as they were before, fine, unbothered, unscathed, and rarely dejected for long. This certainly had a precedent rooted in reality, right? And meaning, for her, what she seems to be saying throughout this op-ed, and she eventually says by the end, is that Seinfeld became a philosophy and a revelatory experience for her life. Why? Because life is temporary, so you might as well have fun. Don't take yourself seriously. Don't take anything seriously. Family, career, obligations, doing something in the world, and then she goes on to describe how hustle culture, which is my generation now calls it, that this is hustle culture and we have to be against hustle culture, and that really the most important thing is pleasure and rest. And we should define our lives about pleasure and rest. And how this was a, a self-revelatory experience, and she didn't know that really Seinfeld, George, Elaine, and Kramer were her rabbis. Now, this just appears in the New York Times, just a normal day in the life of the New York Times, that this is what the crown of life is. This is what life is all about. And there's something true about what's being said. The truth about what, she, what is being said and, and what is actually believed by many of my contemporaries is that life is temporary. None of us survive forever. Life goes by real quick. And so you might come to the conclusion that, well, what really matters anyway? I'm gonna get my own. I'm gonna have as much fun as I possibly can. I'm going to have as much pleasure as I possibly can, and then it'll be gone. Why should I care too much about anything? Why should I care about other people? I might as well not care about my organization, my jobs, what, I, what impact I leave behind me. Really what matters is just having a good time. Unfortunately, we see this philosophy often, and we understand why one would see this philosophy. Life, again, is very quick. But I offer today 
that we come to the wrong conclusion. And the question is why? Why is that conclusion the wrong conclusion? And why do things actually matter? Because that's actually a good question. If things are temporary and all things will be wiped away eventually and will probably each and every one of us be forgotten, then why do things matter? That is the essential question that needs to be asked of our generation today. The essential question that seems to have no answer to it and nobody seems to be answering. Descending into pleasure and nihilism at its worst. I think the answer comes from our Parsha this week. Our Parsha this week is about the mitzvah of Shemitah, of leaving the seventh year lie foul. And it comes from the idea that it's not us that owns the land. It's God that owns the land. Really, we get to use it for a temporary period of time, and then it eventually goes back to God once again, which is patently, of course, true. Our ideas of ownership in this world are pretty much an illusion. We own our land for a short period of time, and I guarantee no matter how sound your deed is, eventually it will pass on to somebody else once you pass away. So the question then is, what do you do with what you got? Well, you'd think if it was only temporary and they only had it for a small period of time, what the logic of our day might be, use it as much as you possibly can. Derive as much pleasure, as much enjoyment out of it, as much as you can. Use it, abuse it, and then you pass away. That makes a certain amount of sense. Well, if I'm going to pass away anyway, what does it matter? But of course, that's not the answer given in the Torah. The answer in the Torah is to let the land lie fallow in the seventh year, which makes no sense. What do you mean, let the land lie fallow? The point of the land is to grow crops and to use it. What do you mean, let it lie fallow? If it's, you only have it for a temporary period of time, then why would you ever let it rest for a year. This is against every single kind of normative understanding of our society today. Make every minute count and get the most pleasure out of life. Why would you pause for a second with reverence to something higher than yourself? And of course, the answer to us is a very Jewish answer. At the point of being human is not to put ourselves at the center but to understand that we are a small cog in the universe, that we live in this universe in this short period of time to serve, that where we truly find meaning is to serve others and to serve our God and to serve causes and to serve organizations that will long outlast us. That was implicitly understood by so many generations before us over and over again. They understood that people live for a short time but yet we seem to be falling into an illusion that all that matters is the present moment. All that matters is how much pleasure I get from this direct moment. And we are getting lost as a society. Each, so many people today want to work just to make the money they need and they don't care about other things. They don't care about doing their work well, about actually helping the organization they're a part of, but rather playing, making the money, just getting the check mark, and then going home and having the most fun you can with the money you have. Our world is not going to survive like this. Our world is not going to survive if the organizations and the institutions and the clubs and the groups that we're a part of, if we don't take care of them and understand that individually, 
We live very short lives, but as a community, and as a group, and as a society, and as a species, we are truly eternal. And that more than that, there is something that unifies all of us, that thing called God. And that thing truly is eternal. And so the greatest meaning in Jewish life is to commit ourselves to working for the other, because that truly is eternity. And by only focusing on ourselves, it's a waste of life. Too often we focus too heavily on self-esteem, of finding my bliss, and not what society needs from us. Yes, we live in a capitalist society. I understand that. And it's important we do. It's a system that works relatively well. But that being said, if we don't care about each other, if we don't see our identity as a we and not an I, we will never survive. And no species, no human species has ever survived for long looking at the world that way. We can't let the philosophy of Seinfeld rule over us. It's good to laugh at it, but we cannot let it rule over us. We have to understand that life, joy, meaning, they don't come from short-term pleasures. They come from serving our family, to being a good member of society, to play by societal roles, to play our important cog in the system, to watch out for society, to watch out for our brothers and sisters wherever they may be, to see ourselves as a we, to see ourselves as a whole community. This is essential to what it means to be a Jew in the world. And I think this is why we are getting so lost as a society. Why people are ruling and gaining power who are outrightly evil and oppress others and insult other people and take the basic humanity away from others. That's what happens when we only think of ourselves. We as Jews need to lead the way. And Temple of Aaron has been doing this for over a hundred years. I can't tell you how many times that Rabbi Rachel and I are constantly enamored and surprised about people who, who don't even come, who barely come to services. I've never seen them at an event, but they have a massive endowment at the synagogue. A massive endowment, because for them, what truly matters is that they leave a legacy is that they, for the next generation, that they built an organization. And we as Temple of Aaron depend on that. We depend on that, those endowments, that money, that selflessness that people put forward. Temple of Aaron congregants seem to be, just naturally, this way, to be able to be selfless, to understand that there is something bigger than them in this world. And I am so damn proud of being a part of this synagogue and being proud of a countercultural institution that understands that there's a world bigger than just myself, that what we exist for is each other and for God. And although each and every one of us will pass away, some shorter, some longer, the legacies we make today is the masim tovim, is the good deeds we do, the way we help our organizations, the way we come together as a community, the way we define our values. That truly is what is important, and that truly is what is holy, and that, my friends, is the best way to deal with the short time we have here on earth. Shabbat shalom, everybody.